0: I have to confess, I don't like the word hobby. It sounds, well, dated and kind of frivolous. I prefer the word interest or pursuits, side projects that you really are interested in, get a lot of enjoyment out of outside of your day job. And they're important to cultivate because they could become a major focus once you decide to leave the world of full-time work. Our guest today is a good example Paul Rieger is a semi-retired real estate attorney, and he's cultivated a couple of outside interests over the years, and one has become a major focus for his life now in semi-retirement. He's the author of a new mystery novel, Clonk, set in the world of of lawyers and misfit detectives. He's a Baltimore native where the novel is set, and he now lives in Towson,
1: Maryland. Paul, thanks for joining us today and talking with us. Well, thanks very much, Joe. It's great to be here.
0: So our listeners have just heard your bio. Tell us about the transition you've made to becoming a
1: novelist. Well, it really goes back to the sort of inadvertent fact that I had kind of been planning this encore career as as a writer and also musician from the day I started working, which sounds ridiculous. But just to go through the writing part, I was very fortunate as a kid to have two parents who loved reading, and we went to uh, schools that really encouraged reading. And of course, and from a young age, I loved reading. I began writing a little bit when I was, you know, my college years, and eventually, once I got through law school, I realized I wanted to try to develop writing as, you know, an avocation or a hobby because I loved it. And I just got a lot of fun out of it. As an attorney, we write constantly, most of us attorneys, and it's always usually uninteresting, unless maybe you're a trial attorney and doing something hot and heavy. But for us, uh, you know, real estate attorneys, there's just not a whole lot of excitement. But we write a lot as attorneys. And every time you're writing something, it sort of inspires you to, man, I wish I could write something fun. So I put aside the the work writing and then later that evening or the next day or whatever now i'm working on some fiction or something and long story short i uh, began writing a, my first novel gosh probably like 20 years ago where i would just do little pieces of it it's detective novel too it's sort of based loosely on detectives like sherlock holmes and others of that ilk and it's a bunch of short stories combine it to a novel about a you know protagonist who lives in a small town and basically solves a bunch of mysteries and crimes. But he's not an attorney. He wants to be an attorney, but he's never had the opportunity for a lot of reasons. And he really his moral compass is a little bit bent. So readers who ever get around to reading that one will may enjoy that aspect that the guy is, you know, he's sort of out for himself, more so than his clients and his customers. But Finished that bit of writing, self published it about 10 years ago. And then I began slowly working on this next novel, which will be published uh, on May 2nd by Apprentice House called Clunk, which is really more of a detective novel. It's, It's farcical too, like most all of my writing. And it's about a Baltimore police detective. And I can tell more, tell you more about that later. But the transition was basically as I was going through my career. I would try to work in efforts to write. So we'd go on vacation. Instead of reading at the beach, I'd actually start writing at the beach because writing is kind of the opposite of reading. You can do either one. And slowly, I put together what I've been working on. And by the time I retired about a year ago, now writing is the first thing I do. And I understand you've also kept law in the mix
0: to some degree, so... That brings up the word semi-retirement. That's an option, semi-retirement, that I think is sometimes overlooked. What do you see that semi-retirement
1: offers? Yeah, I think that for a professional, if you happen to have a career as a professional, you'll probably never leave it fully because it's part of who you are. And people involved in medicine, law, there's so many things you can do as a semi-retired professional. Uh, You can actually still work. And I have many of my attorney friends who are, my age and older who got out of their bigger practice and now are just doing the things they want to. There are a lot of folks do pro bono, volunteer attorney. There is so many things you can do. You can get involved in writing legal things for blogs and so forth. I haven't really done that. But I've done a little bit of some little pro bono things and just some things for my friends. But for the most part, I've just been so busy with my hobbies that i developed that I really don't think about the law that much anymore. It struck me, you said you
0: started planning for this encore career when you started working. And I'm curious about your thoughts about how can hobbies plant the seeds for an encore career and
1: how did that work for you? Well, I think having hobbies is absolutely crucial. And I want your listeners to know that it's never too late to start a hobby. I mean, a lot of folks who are attorneys like me I like to use the term Stockholm syndrome. We become part of our careers where we we start loving it so much, and we and really is it giving us everything we need? You know, it's keeping us fed and clothed, but we might become a little bit of a hostage to it. But you have to, I think, break away from that somewhat and think about things that you like doing, and and these would be your hobbies if you have them. If not, it's not too late to to get them. Here's that. Chinese proverb about you know when's the best time to plant a tree twenty years ago, and when's the second best time you know right now. So I think hobbies are the same way. If you haven't really developed hobbies or avocations, I would not worry. Chill out. It's never too late. There's so many things that we all like doing that we don't even think of. Is telling my wife I get into my car and I really like my car. Yeah, it's dumb, but oh, it's cool. I just gotta use the car. So, you know, my hobby, you know, one of my hobbies now is learning more about my car and and finding out what how it works and what it can do. And it's it's fun. I mean, there are people who love their car and your hobby can be getting involved in car clubs or antique car shows, any of those things. So I guess my point is if you think you don't have a hobby, you might have them and not even know it.
0: I take your point that it's never too late and and also that many people who have busy careers or and or busy lives, they really tell me they haven't developed the time to devote the time to develop a hobby or an interest, an outside interest. and Or they find that they had something they were actually really passionate about and interested in, but they gave it up along the way as life uh, progressed. What advice would you offer them about how to cultivate those interests, how to start something, how to start a hobby or find an interest at this stage?
1: Yeah, if you've ever had something that you were passionate about, it's time to go back to it. And it's something you can be doing as you're in your, maybe your early, mid-60s, still a professional or still working. Start thinking about that thing that you like doing. You, maybe you were an artist or a musician and you got and gave it all up and it's in the garage now. You don't look at it, but now it's time to think about it. Because if you liked it once, you're probably going to like it again just as much or more. And if you didn't really have something you were passionate about, again, I just think there's tons of fun things that we all do that are hobby worthy. Some folks love sports. I mean, I do a little more, you know, I'm a little more engaged with TV sports, like watching the Baltimore Ravens, than actually going out to a field and playing. But, you know, when you get to our age, uh, there's plenty of cool things. Pickleball is a big thing now. You probably have podcasts on that. If you're around here in Baltimore, duck pin bowling. I mean, that's a great hobby. It's the balls are lighter, still 10 pins. The pins are smaller. You get three shots to get the the frame. And it's something that even little kids can do. So no matter really how old you are and how inactive you are, you can still do that. I'm going to say for the record, there's a few things you may not want to do. Things like bare knuckle fighting. I wouldn't go there. (laughs) Things like online gambling. Avoid that binge drinking no it's, it's not for us developing a artificial intelligence uh, relationship with a chat box no you may want to just avoid those things but there's so many fun things you can do that you're just sitting in the back of your conscious ready to go
0: it's a great point though taking a look at the things that you do enjoy or have enjoyed and seeing where you can cultivate that because I think for many people the pandemic was a catalyst them rediscovering some of those things or discovering some some new new things. But I also take your point, keep a list of things you want to avoid as well. <laughs> yeah. So letting go of a primary career can be a really big challenge. How did you decide that the time was right for you? And what's that process
1: of letting go been like? Well, for me, I had planned probably about four or five years ago that I, I could finally retire when I hit 66, which is when I retired. And so from there on out it was just basically continuing my career, letting my people know that I was going to retire and helping to kind of build a successor who would take over from me, basically. And so that was a slow slow process. It wasn't it could be done in a relaxed manner and it could be done very thought through and, and so forth. And it's so many great people I worked with in the former company I worked for. They were just awesome to work with, and that's probably the thing I miss the most is just my people that it's so great to work with. But I know for a lot of attorneys, it it can be tough because your career really becomes who you are, part of who you are. It's your part of your identity, and the, several of my colleagues have told me that they're really kind of afraid of the notion of sort of giving that up. And again, we talked about going part time, and not going cold turkey, doing aspects semi-retired, part-time, pro bono. For me, it's been a real blessing. I mean, I have been retired just a little over a year. It was a little tough towards the end because I knew I was going to miss my people. But now it's been fun. I spend my days working on writing for my music hobby. I have a lot of related hobbies. So with music, I've always liked recording music on tape recorders back in those days and now the Got all these kind of digital recording systems on with software, which I've learned about. I've learned new things and how to use this software, record myself and my friends. We were in a band, a bunch of us back in the 80s. And you can believe it, they've still been my friends all along, even though they're, you know, sprinkled throughout the country. And now, like 40 years later, we're still recording together again using technology. We can all record. Our parts uh, digitally and then send them over the web to each other to basically like a puzzle jigsaw puzzle, putting the pieces in. So, learning that technology and working with it's been fun. Of course, getting a little bit better at music, hopefully, in these retiring years. I hope to get a little bit more skills, but it's been fun. I, I'm really quite fortunate.
0: And, Paul, one other challenge that people encounter in that first year of retirement is. Creating some new structure in terms of your days and your weeks uh, versus what it was like before, where a lot of that was
1: provided, essentially. What have you learned about how to structure your time? Well, you know, it's for me, it's it's just been a slightly different version. I know this might sound a little wacky, but I've always been like a list person. So ever since I've been in college, I always keep a running list of things I want or need to do, so I can get through whatever. My tasks are, and I uh, did that at work as we were dealing with various customer and client things. I keep a running list and make sure I work through it properly and add it back to the list as a lot of professionals do, I think. And with retirement, I just kept a list going, but it's a list of fun things. It's it's a list, but it's a list of things I'm happy to do, and I just do the same kind of routine. I get up and you know I usually exercise in the morning down to breakfast, finish breakfast with my spouse, and then we go our separate ways. She's still working because she's younger than me. And then I get on my list and just start doing the things I want to do or need to do. So nothing's changed in that.
0: Fair enough. And people listening might be intrigued by the idea of an encore career, particularly those who feel like, well, the primary career is coming to an end, but I'm not done yet. I feel like I can do something else maybe it's something adjacent, maybe something related or maybe just something else on my own terms, so to speak. What advice would you have for someone listening who hasn't been building this on-career career all the way along, but now is intrigued by the concept? What would you tell them? Well, I, again, I think
1: you hit on a good point, which is it reminds me of my wife's situation. She was an attorney also and a really good one. and But she she was doing a lot of basically medical malpractice work, representing uh, hospitals and doctors and so forth. And she got so interested in the medicine part that she decided to make a career change. And now she's, she's transitioned. She went to uh, nursing school and got other credits out of the way. And now have, she graduated from a graduate, with a graduate degree from University of Maryland Nursing. And she's now a full-time nurse working at a hospital just 10 minutes from here. She loves it. And it's a whole different lifestyle for her. And it's less stressful, more interaction with people, really helping people. And so that's something that can be done. I just took the choice of just getting away from any paying thing and focusing on my hobbies and so forth. So as I mentioned before we started
0: recording, I grew up in the Boston area. So as a teenager, I began reading a detective novel series written by Robert B. Parker, who I thought was a phenomenal writer. And read every single thing he ever put out, including some multiple times. So I was intrigued when I learned that you've got this new novel about a
1: Baltimore detective. So tell us a little bit about this second novel you've written. Oh, thank you. Well, it's the novel is called Clonk. It's C-L-O-N-K exclamation point. And I'm not allowed to tell to divulge what that means. The publisher will not let me have to read the book. But it's a farcical comedy police... It's a police crime comedy. It's a dark comedy. I like to say it's a gently dark comedy. It's not horrifying. But it's about a police detective, Kev Dixon, and the various things that happen in his career and his life. And it involves also his old high school friends. His high school friends are part of his life because being from Baltimore, they never left Baltimore, which is sort of a Baltimore thing. It's why we call it Smaltimore. A lot of folks just never leave here. I mean, why would you Why would you move to New York to stay here? Anyway, Kev's life is complicated by his high school friends and some of the things that go wrong in their lives, such as a few get into crime, and he's trying to help them, and his friends help him. So it's not only a crime story with plenty of crimes being solved and, you know, maybe being covered up, and just a few murders, a few poisonings, arson. It's got everything. It's very Baltimore. If you're not from Baltimore, you'll still enjoy it because it's it's a crime novel. And it's got more than one crime being solved. So if you want something that's got a lot of stuff going on, this is for you. It's it's written in a nonlinear way, meaning it's put simply there's a lot of flashbacks, flash forwards, things. Some of the scenes may be out of order chronologically on purpose for effect for the reader to absorb and wonder and then you get to something that then it becomes makes more sense and it's done just to have some fun with the reader and make it fun i love the experience of reading stuff like that and uh, i want to do that too not everyone likes that but I, I do like it so long story short if you like a little bit of satire you like farce you like police stories you like mysteries you like crime you'll like the book, I think. It's not a serious book, obviously. It's it's is not literary fiction. It's just a fun thing you might read on the beach.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And those of us who watch The Wire believe that we know Baltimore and will always be interested in Baltimore. So there's that too. But Paul, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your insights and your experiences.
1: Well, Joe, thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure and continued great luck with your podcast. As I said before, I really enjoy reading and hearing them myself now too. So I'm a fan, so thank you very much. Great. Thanks, Paul. Right. Bye-bye.
0: Time for takeaways. A couple of ideas to think about following this conversation today. Number one, it's never too late. Many of the clients I work with as a coach confess to me that they really don't have many interests outside of, outside of work, and they're concerned about it. But the good news is it's never too late to pick up something new, to try some new pursuits, and see what develops. And there's a link in the show notes to the work of Robert Stebbins. He's an academic in Canada who's studied for decades serious leisure pursuits, and he's created a taxonomy of them. And it's a great, easy reference to take a look at which of these things may interest you. You can get multiple benefits by new activities. Not only the novelty and the challenge comes from them, but perhaps some social connectivity of the type of things that you are connected with others in doing them in a group. Number two, take a look back in order to go forward. If you don't have things that are interesting to you now, what did you used to find interesting before your career got going? What did you like to do at different stages of life? Take a look. Are those things that you could consider bringing back in some form now, taking a fresh look at? Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. You can browse all our episodes across the... Six seasons at our website, retirementwisdom.com. Thanks for listening.